0: Father God, the desire of our heart comes through the songs that we sing and worship tonight, Father. Father, we just pray for a move of you, Father. Not a move of us, Lord, but a move of you. And Father, that's our prayer this evening, Lord, that you would come and begin your revival within us, Lord. The desire of our hearts as we look at your word this evening, that we would know your son more. And, Father, as we come tonight, we just pray for those that are unwell in our assembly at the moment. We pray that you would touch them and heal them, Lord. Pray for those, Father, that that are are suffering, Father God, and those in treatment at the moment, Lord, those uh, feeling lonely, Lord, those suffering with mental health, Lord, we pray for them, Lord. And we simply ask, Lord, would you meet their need this evening, Father God? Father, we thank you we heard this morning Lord that Lord you're not just the Lord of the the magnitude and the number but the individual as well and what is happening to each and every person Father God. Father, as we've said you are interested in every aspect of their lives and we thank you for that tonight Father God bless our time together as we come around your word for you always have something to say to us Lord to encourage us and challenge us Father God to teach us and to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple of announcements uh, for for this week. Uh, tomorrow, there is no toddler group. Uh, we've cancelled the toddler group tomorrow morning uh, for those people who bring their kids to there and know uh, those that bring. Everything else is, is on this week. The Next Steps is on tomorrow night. On Tuesday night, we've made a change to the program. Uh, instead of the pastor's Bible study, we're doing a night of prayer. Uh, We're going to open meeting room one one up as we usually do at six o'clock, and that will run till half past nine on Tuesday night. You can drop in for as long as you want to, you can stay for as long as you want to, and if somebody coughs in the meeting, you're not being embarrassed about leaving, okay? (laughs) so that is on Tuesday night uh, if you are dropping for 10 minutes drop in for an hour we want to pray There's many things still to pray for in our church and we want to pray so Tuesday night it's not the pastor's Bible study it's a night of prayer if anything changes as far as what's going on in church uh, we will uh, let everybody know as soon as we can but at the moment uh, it's just business as usual and we're continuing uh, on with that we're continuing on tonight with the Um, ...my Broken series, and if we could bring it up on the the back screen... uh, ...so I know what I'm saying. (laughs) But you don't want me singing, son, right? (laughs) I don't mind. (laughs) You think it's bad out there? (laughs) There we go. Barriers that were meant to be Broken. We're in the last few weeks of our Broken series... Uh, we might not even get it finished, actually, but we're in the last few weeks of our broken series. So one of the things that we we must understand is that there are some things uh, in all of our lives that, that have to be broken. There are barriers that, that are meant to be broken. I think in the songs that the, the team have led us into tonight, there is this aspect, and we, we must always remember this, that there must be a desire within each and every one of us to know... God more, to know his son more to see that evidence of his work in our life more we're going to look at, the, at something that Paul says in Philippians um, in, in a second you know, it's God's plan that we live our lives the way he's called us to live, that God has a plan for each and every one of us. But, but there must be some barriers that, that have to be broken. There are some things that, that we have to deal with. And God is in the business of dealing with the stuff in our lives that cause obstacles and barriers uh, to us receiving everything from him that he, that he wants to give us. Uh, you know when we first get saved when we first become a Christian whatever language that we, we want to use there he says there is an excitement isn't there there is something that happens within us that, that we never thought this would happen to us and when we, when we almost cross over that, that conversion experience in a sense he says there is just something within us that just is like a desire and a hunger and an expectation of what God is, is going to do it's been great the last few weeks in church to see the number of people that have got saved made that decision uh, to follow Christ Jesus but God does a work in each of our lives and he never stops you know, as we work on, no matter how long we've been on the journey and no matter how long we've been saved for, it says God is always at work in, in each and every one of us because he's changing us to be the people that he wants us to to be. He's working in us so he can use us because so obviously the three things that we said at the beginning of this back in January that God often breaks us to fix us, God often breaks us to repair us, but God often breaks us so he so can use us And all the way through scripture, we see the stories of people who, rather than relying on their own uh, dependence and their own ideas and what they've got out in life, God often puts them in circumstances and situations that breaks them so their dependence is totally upon God. So the dependence is not a self-dependence, but a God dependence. And everybody has something that stops them, in a sense, coming to God, a barrier. So often you hear people say that, that I'm not good enough, and, and, and you're right, you're not, none of us are. He says we're, we're not religious enough, it just, you know, we talk about how religious we need to be to be a Christian. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, as we, as we label it, so when I got saved when I was 21, uh, three or four years ago, and... Um, And just that whole aspect of of learning the Christian way of life, in a sense. And some of it's not even found in the Bible. But learning that whole Christian way of life. And I often share my favourite story sometimes. Uh, I call it my purple trouser story. Uh, Back in the 90s, purple trousers were in the fashion in Birmingham. They were, they were. And so I remember going to church in these purple trousers. uh, And I'd only been saved about four or five months I'm going to church in these purple trousers. They were, they were fashionable, they were, they were. Nobody else was wearing them, but they were fashionable. <laughs> and I remember being called to one side by some of the, uh, an elderly couple in the church who were well-meaning, who simply said, you know, it wasn't appropriate to wear these purple trousers in church that they weren't, and I had no idea, was you don't, because when you get saved, nobody gives you a a sort of list of rules. You get the Bible to read, but nowhere in there does it say don't wear purple trousers. Uh, and so, therefore, often we come at times and our religion almost uh, it keeps us and it stops us. And, and there's people that are, you know, may feel they're not religious enough, or what will my friends think, or one of the concerns that people have is, will I we'll suddenly become boring? You know, how people associate being a Christian with being boring and sticking and everybody has a barrier sometimes everybody has something that that stops them receiving more of what God wants to give them and the apostle Paul was he had some barriers and it was it was his religion it was his culture it was his upbringing his religion was his priority there was a barrier to God and that barrier needed to be broken and he writes these words in the first 11 verses of of Philippians which which help us Because the whole heart of of what Paul is trying to say here is what matters is knowing Christ Jesus. Say that from the beginning, that everything that he says in these verses, he's simply talking about knowing Christ more. There's the desire of every one of our lives, isn't it? That we would know Christ Jesus more in our lives, you know, through his word by his spirit in, in our times of prayer, that we would know him more. And Paul says these words, and he says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I know do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Love that part of that verse. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Not my effort or my earning or my payment, but what he's done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old and I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from The dead. In those 11 verses, what Paul is doing, he's talking about his before experience and his after experience. He's simply listing all of the things that he simply didn't just count as important in his past. They were counted as his trophies, in a sense. You know, those that his past, his culture, his upbringing. It was almost listing this is the way I was, and I thought it was enough. He says, I was obedient to the law that gave me my righteousness. I was a strict Pharisee. And you could see in the list of everything that he gives, he tells you, he tells the the readers there in Philippi, he says, look at me. I have all of these things, all of these things that I thought was enough. But as we know, it's not enough. He's religious, he's full of zeal, a pure-blooded Hebrew, a Pharisee, obedient to the law, persecutor of the church. And he says these were his priorities until one day he had an incredible conversion experience on the Damascus Road where God gave him an amazing encounter when he lived the rest of his life for God. Lived the rest of his life because he understood that actually what all of these things that he got, that they were worthless. They were, they, they were, not, they were not worth anything compared to that value of knowing Christ Jesus who we met that day. And it's a simple thing as this. He he sort of thought these things mattered, but they actually didn't matter because he really discovered what mattered. How true is that of us in our own lives often that we think there are things that matter and we come to a point in our lives where they realise that they don't matter, but we begin to discover in God actually what does matter. And Paul lists his credentials, his upbringing, his nationality, his family background, his inheritance, his orthodoxy, his activity, his morality, he's got all of these things lined up to simply say all of this is enough, all of this should please God, all of this obedience to the law and everything I've done, and, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. And neither is anything that that we do. Or neither is anything that we list as a trophy of achievement in a sense. That gets in the way of what God has done for you and me in Christ Jesus. You know these were barriers for him that he had to deal with. And he writes this to the church in Philippi because he wants them to understand that there are barriers to each and every person who wants to live the Christian life. There is sometimes some things that are stopping them that are a barrier, an obstacle that God challenges them to deal with. To say, hey, this is the the thing that you need to deal with. This is the thing that you need to work on. You know, the amazing thing is, is none of us are perfect. But God is always working in our life to change us, to become the people that he wants us to come. Somebody said that God doesn't break things so he can fix them. He fixes broken things so he can use them. And Paul was simply broken here because he thought all this stuff mattered. But it didn't matter. How often in life do we think there are things that matter and they don't? God has a plan for your life, but the priority, the most important thing, the foundation, as Paul says, is simply this, knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. That's the priority says, if God breaks a man or a woman to use them, he wants them to understand that the foundation that they build their lives upon is, is simply knowing Christ Jesus as the most important thing. Paul, in, in, in this, these verses, he says, I consider all things garbage. I consider all things rubbish. I consider all things as, as a waste compared to the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so Paul exchanged these things that he thought mattered in the past for what God offered him now. Those things that hindered him from what God really had for him. And, and, and there were three things that we see that, 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 that suddenly become essential, important to Paul here. Uh, through this knowing Christ Jesus. Is, Lord, the first one is this we see. He says, It is to know Christ. It is not to just know about Christ. Not just to know some of the stuff that he'd done. You know, that we could list almost as a quiz question. If you ask a question in a quiz, you're testing a person's knowledge of something. But this is not the same knowing. This is a knowing personally. This is a knowing that right from the beginning of coming, uh, taking your place at the cross, knowing him intimately, knowing him personally. Isn't it wonderful that he wants to know us intimately and personally? And even though he knows everything about us, it's not that we love to spend time with him. It's that he loves to spend time with us. He loves nothing more than when we take time out of our busy day. And how often do we try and squeeze it in sometimes and say, well, if I just read me eight verses a day, I'll keep the devil away. And you know, I'll do all of those things, you know, just to sort of tick off what he wants. And actually what he wants is he wants that intimacy, that relationship with us. So and actually takes time out of our busy days because everybody's busy just to come, not just to know about him, to read the scriptures and just say, well, we know the miracles that he did or we know the things that he did, but actually to know him and for him to know us. And Paul says this, he says, why does he say that's his greatest desire? He exchanges all of this stuff from the past to simply say, all I want to know is know Christ. All I want to know, and it's because of this, Is because not when you know about Christ, but when you know Christ, it changes everything about your life. It changes where you go, it changes who you spend your time with, it changes what activities you do, it changes the things that you know you shouldn't do and that's for each and every one of us. He says that's what happens when we come to know Christ because Paul lists the stuff that doesn't matter anymore and says all of that stuff doesn't matter because what matters is knowing Christ because knowing Christ almost extinguishes and gets rid of all that other stuff that Paul thought mattered because Paul was the man that was going out and persecuting the church. Paul was a man that decided these boys that were going around preaching about Jesus, I'm going to go and arrest them all. On the day when they stoned Stephen to death, uh, the first martyr of the church, when they stoned him to death, Paul was the one that was standing there holding the jackets of the people who were lifting the stones to stone Stephen to death. Why? Because Paul was convinced he had got hold of the things that mattered. And God did a work in his life on the Damascus Road and said, that stuff doesn't matter this stuff matters. And I wonder for how many of us God throws that challenge out for us this evening to say some of the stuff that you think matters actually doesn't matter. These are the things that matter. The second thing we see is to gain Christ. And we see that that Paul Paul, in a sense, had everything. He says he was obedient to the law. I mean he just kept the rules he was strict he even says I got my righteousness from the law which means in a sense he never broke any law any law were all a strict Pharisee so he knew the law and he knew what he had to do and he says he he he, he kept all of those rules everybody always knows somebody who always keeps the rules don't they you know when you say you're just going to bend a little wall, a little bit, there's always somebody that says, I don't think we should do that, it's dishonest. Anybody got a friend like that? That makes you the dishonest one. <laughs> and, and that's it. And, and Paul got all of this, but he, he gained Christ here. He says he gained Christ because the law could not give him Christ. The obedience to the law could not give him Jesus Christ. It says up to the point of the crucifixion and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was the law, but then it became about Christ Jesus. It became about gaining him as to be the avenue to heaven and relationship with God. And there is no other way. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he means it. It's actually the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say the law is the way, the truth, and the life. Or the law is part of the way, the truth. says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul gains this. And he doesn't turn around and say, I've got all of this. I'm obedient to the law and I'm righteous and I'm a strict Pharisee and I've gained Jesus. He doesn't say that. He forgets about everything else and he says what matters is, is, is I've gained Christ. I have Christ in my life. He says, so he gives me everything that I need. The third thing we see is this, is he's, he's in Christ and I'd add a a couple of extra things on here that was uh, praying about this this afternoon that you know the three most important things for us when it comes to Christ is that we are in Christ and we are with Christ and then we have Christ working through us uh, as well and you see when we're in Christ it gives us the position it gives us the position that we are sons and daughters of God why? because we're in Christ so matter of fact prince and princesses and if you've never thought of yourself as princes or princesses, you know, then you are, because he's the king of kings. Now, can I just clear up, it's the boys are the princes and the girls are the princesses. I know we live in 2020, but I have to be careful there. Right? So we're princes and princesses. Why? Because it's our position in Christ. It's where we are in Christ, forgiven, redeemed, blessed, accepted, justified. The list could go on and on. It says with Stephen who shared at the table this morning, forget not all thy benefits. If we just stop to think for one second of all that he's given us. It says that's what it means for you and me to be in Christ. We're then with Christ and it's simply through everything that we face. We have somebody who is always there for us, with us. Through everything, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everything that I face, he's there with me. And it brings us on to the third thing, the the, through Christ. It says how he works in you and me. One of the things I've always loved uh, about being a Christian, and right from becoming a Christian, is not that God just saves us, and we're forgiven and redeemed, but the discovery that he actually wants to use us as well and you're like what me and yes you and that's what God wants to do that he works through us he works through us I mean think about it with Paul he says I mean Paul wrote half the new testament I mean he was used by God through Christ and everything that Paul did it was through Christ. he went and preached the gospel to thousands of people planted many many churches wrote the letters of the new testament to the excuse me the churches that he planted And it's simply all because Christ was working through him. He couldn't get that the old way. The old way that he lived was one that went out and persecuted the church, the Christians. And stood at the side as he held the jackets of the people who threw the stones. But it's how Christ works through you and me. You know the world needs believers that Christ is working through. Needs believers that Christ is, 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 is working in people's lives, in schools and universities, factories and communities and neighbourhoods and every place that, that we would be, that God is at work because Christ is working through us. It's why Paul says, yet yeah, not I, but Christ working in me. He says, to me, to live is Christ. And I know the second bit says, to die is gain, but that bit that says to me is live is Christ is that bit that says it's what I live my life for the Christ would be working in me the Christ would be working with me the Christ would be working through me and he begins and he keeps talking about Jesus and I, I read this wee short of poem I suppose I'm just going to uh, read to you there it says about Jesus that he began his ministry by being hungry yet he is the bread of life Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty yet he is the living water Jesus was weary, yet he's at rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was bought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death he destroyed the power of death. That's what Paul said discovered in Christ Jesus you see for Paul something was missing and he realized that he had now discovered what he wanted not a righteousness through obeying the law but that righteousness through faith in Christ you will never get the righteousness from God by obeying the law by keeping all the rules you can read the new Testament, the old excuse me the old testament through you can write out a list of the laws and you can tick the ones that that you keep but it will not get you any closer to God. That righteousness does not come through the law. The only righteousness which means being made right with God comes through the discovery of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you to forgive you of your sin. And when he does that... That makes you righteous. That makes you right with God. And that same righteousness that that Paul discovered is that same righteousness that's available to each and every person tonight. I love that thought of it. It's how God made us right. You know, I mean, God didn't have to do anything when you think about it. See, as I said this morning in the middle of the chaos and the mess and the brokenness of the world, God could have done anything but he just simply stuck his son right in the middle of it where all the people were where the people who were broken and messed up and fragile and and looking for a shepherd for somebody to lead them God sticks his son right in the middle of that and the end of the journey is that he goes to the cross so we could be made right with him you see it wasn't the human achievement that Paul had got that earned the personal salvation An eternal life it wasn't his accomplishments in life because he considered them worthless no amount of law keeping self-improvement religious effort can make us right with God having Christian parents attending church being good will earn our salvation simply there is only one way to be made right with God and it's simply accepting what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you which is he took your sin and your shortcomings and died on the cross because he loves you and that's the only way there is no other way there is no other gods that are there to worship there is no other way than that way alone that Christ Jesus died on the cross for us sinners each and every one of us as equals coming together But God saved us and changed us and allows us to sit here in his presence tonight to worship him, to receive from his word because he's changed our lives. He's changed our lives. He's changed you and me he says what you were like before you are no longer like not because you've improved not because you've read a self-help book not because somebody has helped you that people will encourage you your change is only down to what God has done in his son Jesus Christ that's what has changed you this evening and that's what changed Paul because he had changed exchange all of these things that he had for the value the intimacy of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord. And you know, that, that, that thought is, is very interesting. Because we want Christ as a saviour a lot of the time. Most of the time. But often, Christ Jesus as Lord means putting him first in our life. You see, the saviour bit we all love, is something we can worship to. It's something we can sing about. And we know we're forgiven and saved and changed. But you see, Christ Jesus came to be our Lord as well. You see, when he becomes our Lord, he becomes the number one in our life. Which means every decision that we have to make, we have to make in light of him being the Lord of our lives. Every decision that we come to, that we have to look at it and say, well, well, does this ruin, does this change the number one priority in my life? Having him as Lord? Because for some people it does, that's a reality. For some people they struggle with it because it's okay for him to be the saviour but he's got to be the Lord as well and you see for Paul he discovered that the value of knowing Christ and gaining Christ in his life was not just to know him as saviour but was to know him as Lord and in knowing him as Lord what became his priority was Jesus in everything. Jesus in his work. Jesus in his travel. Jesus in the business he did with other people. Jesus in his conversation. Jesus in his relationship. Jesus in his reaction. Jesus in his attitude. Jesus in absolutely everything. And you're all like, oh, that's a tough one to end with, isn't it? Can't you just talk about him being a saviour? We got all the amens then. But you see, when we challenge ourselves about him being the lord it throws a light on our life doesn't it what do i matt davis put in front of everything that stops him being lord of my life oh there's a few things but i'm not going to tell you them you can tell me yours after but the point is this what stops and you see paul's change here and as he writes this to the Philippians, he writes, this, it wasn't just about knowing him as the saviour. It was knowing him as the Lord as well. That number one, that saying everything else doesn't matter. Everything else is not of value. Everything else means nothing. Those accomplishments mean nothing because I've got to put him first in my life. You know what the wonderful thing is I've discovered and others will have discovered? When you put God first in your life, he tends to bless the rest of your life he does those who honour me i will honor is a verse i have held on to because when you put god first in your life he tends to bless every other aspect of your life when you don't put him first you fight and struggle and when he challenges you about things you're like god i don't know if i could put that above you lord i don't know sorry lord if i could put you above that And that's where the challenge comes. And there's a brokenness. There's a breaking that comes within all of our lives when God challenges us and says, I'm number two at the moment. You need to remove the number one spot and put me at the number one spot because being at the number one spot makes him the Lord of our lives. That's a challenge I think that is thrown out to each and every one of us this evening. What stops him being the Lord of our lives this evening? We can preach a message of the Saviour and we will give that appeal in a second to anybody who doesn't know Christ Jesus as Lord. But that idea, that thought that challenges you and me, what is number one in my life? How do I get like to be like Paul where I consider everything else not worth everything else, not of any value or worthless because I'm putting other things in first place? Let's just close our eyes as we come. Just a closing prayer because my time is gone. The team are going to join us on the platform. I'm going to pray two prayers. The first one is the one we pray every Sunday. I would simply ask if there's anybody in here who doesn't know Christ Jesus as their saviour. The one who went to the cross for you because he loves you. Who took your sin, your shortcomings, everything you've ever done wrong and went to the cross. And because of that, there is an opportunity tonight to begin your relationship with him by getting saved. And I just wonder if there's anybody in here tonight who simply, just by the raising of your hand, just wants to simply say, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. I want him to be my saviour. Is there anybody in here tonight? We're not prolonging this. Is there anybody that says, yes, tonight's an I want him to be my saviour this evening. Is there anybody? The second prayer we pray is this. The one that says we've got Jesus as our saviour, but we now need to be challenged about Jesus as Lord. The stuff that we need to move out of first place, to put him in first place. The priority of our life. The breaking that God does in yours and my life when he simply says you need to move this you need to remove this because i need to be the number one in your life not just enough to come to church not just enough to read the bible a few times a week not just enough to say well i'm still living off the decision i made many years ago but that just says that 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 thought of removing all the stuff all the thing that gets in the way of him being number one And number one simply is represented by him being the Lord of your life. The one that says, hey, listen. He says, you think I've done some stuff in your life. You wait till you make me number one and see the stuff that I can do in your life. That's a promise that he gives us this evening. So, Father God, we pray this evening for each and every one of us in here, Father father god if there is stuff that is in the way father god if there is stuff that we have put as the priority the most important things in our life father god would you remove them tonight lord would you take them away lord would you challenge us all individually by your holy spirit lord father you need to do a work in our life father god that breaks us not father because you want to break us but because you want to use us And Father God, we're thankful tonight, Father, you not only save us, but you use us as well. And so, Father God, please speak to hearts this evening. Please speak as the speaker, silent, Lord, that you would just continue just to speak to people's hearts and challenge them, Lord, about the things that they need to remove. In Jesus' name, amen.